I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Hi, I'm Chanti. And I'm Lynx, and you're listening to Muses. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Muses. This is the podcast that's all about the women of music, women of rock and roll. Today, it's a woman of rap. So we're covering all genres, all different types of women from the groupies, wives, girlfriends, to the musicians and PR people and photographers. We cover it all. Look, if if it wasn't our podcast, I would listen to it. Absolutely. How are you doing, Shanti? <laughs> you look great. Oh, thanks so much. You know what? I'm feeling good. I put on some lipstick and mascara today for the first time in probably months. And yeah, it makes a little bit of a difference, you know? It does. It does make you feel good to dress up. and Yeah, and there's no reason. Like, we've already been out today. We went for a big drive to the gas station. <laughs> we went for a big drive to the gas station out of town because they have better diesel prices. And we wanted the dog to get a little bit of practice in the car because he's still terrified of it. So we made sure he got a little treat on the way for a positive association. And then I got home and had a bath and put on some lipstick. And today we're just going to watch sports. This weekend is a sports weekend. So there's a big soccer game on this afternoon. And our team is Chelsea. I don't know if we've got any Chelsea fans in the house. And then tomorrow (laughs) we watch NASCAR. And basically what I do is eat the snacks and either read a book or like play Best Fiends on my iPad. I'm isn't even an ad it's just the truth (laughs) um but it's fun to just be a part of it 
Yeah. It's nice also just, I feel like both of our moods have changed significantly in the past month or even just like two weeks because the weather is finally, I mean, today's not the greatest day, but summer has visited us. We got a taste of it. We know what's coming now. The sun is out a lot more. We've got our first vaccines. Yeah. We are like ready for summer and excited and Yeah, I'm actually very excited to share this episode because it's a little different than what we normally talk about. Let's get into it. Who are we talking about today? So for this one, I read a book called It's No Secret, From Nas to Jay-Z, From Seduction to Scandal, A Hip-Hop Helen of Troy Tells All. What a title! Yeah. Oh my god. This was fun. It's written by a woman named Carmen Bryan. I enjoyed reading this book it was very juicy very gossipy but i loved her attitude and i'm gonna read it the way that i feel like she would want me to present it there's definitely a couple like trigger warnings here and there but she doesn't dwell on those moments i'm not going to dwell on them i will let people know ahead of time but this is more gonna be fun i I think it's gonna be fun great when was the book written approximately It came out, I think, in 2006. All right. So I did a little research after it came out just to get us up to date as best I could. So great. Yeah. So Carmen was born December 21st, 1971 in Jamaica, Queens. She has a brother named Van and a mom that she calls Shasha. (laughs) When she was three years old, Shasha left Carmen's dad, who she calls Papa Lenny. She says her dad was an alcoholic and a petty criminal who kind of enjoyed being that way. And the physical and mental abuse got to be too much for Shasha. So good for Shasha. She left that situation. So when that happened, the three of them went to live with her grandparents who had a big house. Carmen adored her father and he wasn't around all that much in her youth. But when he did show up, he was the kind of dad that took her to the bar in the afternoon. And, you know, she would do things with him that she knew her mother wouldn't approve of. So it was like always like a secret between them, which made her kind of love seeing him even more. He was also kind of in and out of jail. So it was sporadic when she saw him, but she loved it. Shasha sounds like a very driven woman. When Carmen was growing up, she had two jobs and went to school part time. She was stunning and ambitious and talented. She could play multiple instruments, speak Spanish, hold a conversation on any topic. But, Because of her ambition, it meant that she wasn't around all that much parenting because she was busy making money for the kids and everything. Yeah. Trying to build up her dreams. Kind of like uh, Greg and Dwayne Ullman's mom. Exactly. Exactly. Things weren't all rosy over at her grandparents, though. They were very strict. She says her brother developed a stutter from the stress at the Mm -hmm. time. When Carmen was eight, they moved out into their own apartment when their mom got a better job. Carmen took piano and ballet lessons in Brooklyn on the weekends. Her mom was still very absent, but Carmen had a best friend whose parents kind of took her in and her brother as their own and took them on trips and kind of treated them like family. At home, Carmen did a lot. She was cooking, cleaning, doing the laundry, running the errands by the time she was like 10. Shasha became a professor at a college around this time. So good for Shasha. Yeah. 
In her early teens, Carmen got involved in theater at school, and she began to attend an art and design high school, which really opened up her world. She was meeting creative people. She was discovering Manhattan. She has this great line in the book where she says that she realized individuality and self-expression could be a way of life. Mm -hmm. She also began to model around the age of 15. Carmen and her girlfriends also got into quite a lot of trouble here and there. She says that when they were kids, her friend's dad, who treated her like one of their own, taught them how to fight. And instilling that in them so young actually kind of turned them into bullies because I guess they were kind of always, that was like the initial reaction to things. She says they never looked for fights, but always seemed to get in them nevertheless. And she says in her early teen years, they would actually wear razor blades in their hair and carry Vaseline just in case. What's the Vaseline for? I wondered the same thing. I I don't know, but everything I picture isn't good anyway. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Carmen, what's the Vaseline for? She mentions basically everyone she knew growing up was like selling drugs, crack in particular, and she did end up dating a guy when she was young who went to prison for that. Of course, her mother was all about education, and Carmen, as a teen, wasn't really. The lifestyle differences would lead them to butting heads. Her mother would say, looks fade, education is forever. Because of how hard she saw her mother work, she associated college and education with having no personal life. So, of course, as a teenager, that's not very appealing. Of course, her mom had two kids to feed as well, though. Right. She did finish high school, though, and she went to work. She met a guy named Troy, who was from New Haven, Connecticut. He impressed her and her friends by whispering into her friend's ear and handing over $100. And then her friend whispered something back. Apparently, he had paid Carmen's friend $100 to get Carmen's phone number (laughs) instead of just asking for it. I guess he wanted to show he had money. After a few months of chatting on the phone back and forth, she went to New Haven with him in his red Mercedes Benz, and she discovered he was sort of like king of the block. After a few more months, he asked Carmen to move to New Haven, and she did, and the day that she moved there... Troy got arrested and ended up having to serve time. Mm. So Troy's friend, who she calls casual in the book, ends up asking Carmen to use her apartment to turn coke into crack so that they could sell it. They promised they'd pay all her bills, her rent, her transportation. It would just be temporary. So she agrees. And over time, she ends up falling for this guy casual. So she's in this crazy love triangle with her boyfriend who's in prison for this and now her new boyfriend situation who's dealing it and everything. Not a shocker. Things get a little crazy over time. And luckily for Carmen, she realizes, wait a minute, this is not a great lifestyle choice. Like This is not going to be good if I continue down this track. So thankfully, she realizes I need to leave and she called her brother for help. He immediately offered her his room back in New York. She moves right back and she calls their place a budding producer's dream pad. So, of course, lots of rappers were there. They hung out. They were producers. And there's this one quiet guy in the corner who has a soul piercing stare. Mm -hmm. They always do. 
And she kept looking at him. He kept looking at her. And then he introduced himself as Nazir Jones. Mm -hmm. So this was December of 1992. She says they ended up going to another room to chat. And immediately they were in a deep discussion, sharing personal stories, their life stories. She was really impressed with him because he wasn't like all the other dudes out there. So she says Nas opened up about his best friend being murdered and his brother was also shot but survived. He got emotional. He told her he needed some air and then he didn't come back for an hour. So she went searching for him and she found him in the park in the middle of December, like crying. And she says that she gave him a ghost of a kiss, just a faint brush. And I'm going to quote her. It was a peculiar but romantic moment. Although I had promised myself I was going to remain single, I was falling for Nazir Jones. All right, so let's find out what's going to happen. Here we go. This is a roller coaster of a ride. Okay. So I mentioned Carmen's brother. He was working at Rush Management, which was Russell Simmons' management company for producers. Russell Simmons is also the co-founder of Def Jam Records. Okay. He's a big deal. I looked him up, and apparently over 20 women have now accused him of sexual misconduct. He now lives in Bali because there's no extradition treaty there, so he's just trying to get away with it. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's not a story about him, though. But uh, good to know. For Carmen, this was a way out of her New Haven situation. You know, there's this job opening. She was a receptionist, and she ended up loving it. Personally, she started to begin to date Nas and she was totally smitten there she calls him avidly affectionate which I thought sounded very nice they took their time before going all the way and when they did he immediately asked her to marry him so must have been good (laughs) (laughs) you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Do you like science fiction? I'm Carrie Bechet, and if you loved movies like Arrival or Interstellar, then you're going to want to check out my podcast, Hypothetical. On Hypothetical, we tell speculative sci-fi stories interwoven with real science. New episodes every Tuesday, available wherever you get podcasts. So during all this, Nas was recording his first album, and money was real tight. Carmen ended up moving to Queensbridge, where Nas is from, and they lived in a two-bedroom apartment with his mom and brother, and his brother ended up sleeping on the couch, and then her and Nas took his room. She describes Queenbridge as the projects, 
and it certainly wasn't easy living for a while. There's an incident also that happens at her work in Manhattan where someone shot a gun and everyone was naturally freaked out, but she wasn't because hearing gunshots and everything was so normalized for her from living in Queensbridge that it didn't even phase her at all. Yeah, she didn't even jump. Wow. No, no one was hurt at the office that day, thankfully. So work was going great for her, though. She was offered a better position and a raise in the office. She now worked in financing. She was in charge of getting everyone paid on time. One cool thing I noticed in her book was that her two office bosses here were both women, and it sounds like they're both very supportive and she has great things to say. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Working in financing had her more connected to the staff and the artists. She mentions Nikki D., the rapper being really awesome, and Redman was a big favorite of hers. They became good friends, and she says he always came with bags full of weed as <laughs> gifts. <laughs> Sounds like a good friend. Yep. A friend with weed. It's a friend indeed. Mm-hmm. Nas was not super supportive of her career. She says that he was insecure with her being around all these other entertainers all the time. So this next part is very messed up. Just a warning here. Okay. Within the first year or so of their relationship, Carmen gets pregnant three times. Twice they have an abortion and she's, you know, obviously upset with herself for being careless and all that. But they made a promise to each other that they wouldn't abort again. She says it did bring them closer as a couple. And the third time she gets pregnant, Nas says to her, Can I tell you something? I got you pregnant on purpose so we could be bonded for life. I just can't lose you ever. Oh, sorry. I have to remember that this is a podcast. So when I, my reaction is stunned silence and a face, I have to, I have to say something. That sucks. I hate that. (laughs) It made me feel very gross reading it. And of course, at the time... She's young. She's in love. She thought it was like very romantic of him. You know, when we have love goggles on, we don't always see things so clear. Yeah. But of course, later she did question the motives there. Not so nice. That's fucked up. Not so cool. She says Nas's mom thought that they were idiots, but was happy and accepting of the child. Shasha, she expected to be furious, which she was. But she says when she told her mom... Her mom was like, oh, we need to have a talk. And Shasha said, no matter what I say, you're going to do whatever you're going to do. But just so you know, if it doesn't work out with Nas, you and the baby can always be here with me. You will always be taken care of. You're not stuck. So good for Shasha, supportive mother there. Did I ever tell you that before TJ and I were really serious, and it might have even been before we were together, so I would maybe have been in my late 20s. Um, my mom said, you know, if you don't meet anybody, but you want to have a baby, I'll help you raise the baby. Whoa. <laughs> it was like, good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> she just wanted grandkids, yeah, yeah, maybe. basically just being like, if you never meet anyone, if you're single forever, but you want to have a kid, like... There are ways to make that happen, and also, like, I will help you raise your your kid. And I was like, I'm pretty sure, like, because my brother and his wife want kids. I'm like, no, yeah. you'll be like, you'll be a grandma. But she's accepted. She's accepted. Aww. It's not coming from me. 
It's nice, though, that the support is there. I appreciate it. If you should it. ever want or yeah. need it. Absolutely. It was a thanks but no thanks situation. Yes. <laughs> and, yeah, as Carmen points out, that's basically what happened to Shasha when she was young. So she sort of had some realizations there as well. Nas promised her and Shasha, though, that no matter what, he would be there for their child. They finally got a place of their own, but it was about a two-hour commute for her to work each day, which she did pregnant. Nas was, he was still working on his music. The publishing deal went through, so they finally had some more money, but the album wasn't done. She says everyone in New York City was super hyped up about this album, and everyone assumed that the delays were due to him trying to reach some sort of musical perfection. But Carm says it was from her point of view, at least, it was just kind of like laziness. Like he never wanted to go to the studio. He never went in. His management would call her and be like, can you get him in there? Like, so no idea if it's actually like laziness or like maybe he was feeling the pressure and that was getting to him, but he didn't confide that in her at least. Eventually, Carmen was too pregnant to work and Nas was finally completing his album. So she would get up and go with him everywhere she would go to the studio she would go to his photo shoots his video shoots it sounds exciting but obviously it's real work and Carmen says now I got an even less glamorous view of the game from the artist's perspective she says he would cancel things if she didn't come with him by the end of her pregnancy both were dying for it to be over with Nas and Carmen always knew that they were going to have a daughter She was born Destiny Jones on June 15th, 1994. In her book, she says she was born a few weeks after Illmatic, Nas's debut album, dropped. But I was looking up things and I noticed that it says that the album release was April 19th, two months before the baby. So her timeline's a little different. Maybe she just remembers it that way because he stayed close to home for a while before the tour started. And they even took a trip to the Poconos together and tried to have some family time before he went off. So then it was time for Nas to go on his first big tour. Carmen was happy at home with Destiny. When he came back, though, she immediately noticed a change. Of course, we we know this story. All her girlfriends had been warning her about, you know, what men do on the road, but he would always be like, oh, next time you and Destiny are going to come with me next time, next time. She says she knew that was an empty promise. When they got home, Nas immediately said something's not right and asked her if she'd had any men over while he was away. So she says immediately that's when she knew, okay, you've been cheating. This is a guilty conscience. I was going to say that. Yes. Immediately upon coming home, Nas turned into a big spender. They went on vacation, bought new clothes. He bought a Lexus, but he couldn't even drive. So she did all the driving. Nas also began to become Nas also began to become more obsessive and controlling about her and destiny. He didn't want her going and seeing friends. He didn't want her out doing things. Yeah. I'm shaking my head. Shaking my head. She would go out and hang out with friends and he'd be like what's who were what guys were you speaking to were they hitting on you blah 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 she says as the weeks passed i realized something worse than infidelity happened while he was on tour he had a pure dose of celebrity undiluted by the stuff of everyday life 
It was like living with a complete stranger. By this time, his friends and family had placed him so high on a pedestal that he bought into it all. It went to his head and he was no longer the laid back, thoughtful and humble person I fell in love with. So things at home are getting more strained, more fights, more mood swings. And of course, all that spending that Nas was doing of his tour money drained the pot once again. This is a habit that Nas apparently does. It's like he's made so many albums. And when I was reading this, I was thinking every album is just like, okay, I've used up all my money. I I need to put something else out. Yeah. And then I think the more you make then the more you spend and then you have to stay at that level so then the more you have to work until you're just on this wild grind machine that a lot of the times results in overdoses and deaths and problems in families yeah also she didn't want to be at home all the time so she was like maybe I should get a job again and at this point, she ran into a former co-worker, another Def Jam woman. Her name is Tracy Waples, a senior VP of A&R at Capitol oh, cool. Records. Yeah. So when she accidentally ran into her, she was like, well, I'm looking for an assistant. You want a job? And she, Carmen was immediately hired on the spot. I tried to look up more about Tracy because she sounds awesome. She started at 19, worked her way up the ladder. I can't find too much on her, though. But Carmen really respected her and her hustle. And she says in the book, Tracy knew she had to hustle five times harder than any man in her position. Well, yeah, I hope that the reason why we don't know a lot about her isn't because, you know, a Dorothy Carvello situation and that she would be afraid to speak up about all of the terrible things that might have happened to her working as an A&R person, woman at Capitol Records at this time. Exactly. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about her. So she's back to working. The two-hour commute wasn't ideal, especially being a mother now. Things at home weren't wonderful either. Nas was getting so controlling and different. So Carmen decided she was going to move back in with Shasha, and Nas ended up moving back to Queensbridge. So Shasha and her grandmother were very helpful and wonderful with Destiny. When Carmen had to work and had some time to herself, they were taking care of Destiny. At first, Nas would visit often, then less. Then he missed Destiny's christening. As Carmen puts it, Nas was too busy doing Mm. Nas. Carmen was loving her new job, though. She was working with Tracy. Tracy was good friends with Sean Combs. Or Puffy. Puff Daddy. Mm -hmm. Diddy. I don't know which he's going by anymore. (laughs) I'm going to call him Puffy, because that's what Carm calls him. So they ended up getting comped a lot for like any bad boy events, and she ended up going out and having a lot of fun i was just gonna say i bet those bad boy events were fun oh yeah they sound like a time (laughs) so one night she was partying with puffy and others and Nas shows up and he's very angry that she's there and she ended up leaving just to avoid confrontation what a selfish prick right it's like you're allowed to be here and doing these things carmen really calls out his double standard often in the book which i really appreciated because i was getting angry as well Within a year, Carmen found a place for her and Destiny to live, and it didn't take long before Nas tracked them down, and she caved and she let him move in. It sounds like he kind of mooched off her because he'd spent all his money by then, but I guess that kind of went back and forth throughout their relationship. It wasn't really a good time. She says, everything I had ever loved about Nas was gone. We barely even spoke some days. 
He was caught up in the hype and worse, I was caught up in him. Mm-hmm. I had put my dreams on hold voluntarily and now I was resentful. So that New Year's, Carmen ends up sharing a kiss with Puffy that she felt super guilty about. But then days later, she's at home and she gets this anonymous phone call from someone informing her that Nas was at a hotel with another girl under a different name. And she called up a bunch of hotels and, of course, found him. And he ended up hanging up the phone and then he came home and denied everything. So this is, again, a little bit triggering. Knowing that he was out there cheating led to Carmen having another kiss with a different man who ended up leaving a hickey and Nas noticed and he punched her in the face. Of course, he apologized, said he'd never hit her again. He became sweet and supportive, did all the gaslighting, controlling kind of things to make her believe. Capitol Records ended up terminating their urban music department and 30 employees with it, including Carmen. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, she didn't really mind, though. She she wasn't, like, super into, like, I want to work in music. That wasn't really necessarily her thing. But she did love the job. But, I mean, Capitol Records was probably run by a bunch of, like, older white men, right? And if they're canceling the urban music department, then what what exactly is that department? Or, like, who makes up the majority of that department? It's probably, yeah. like, rap music, right? And black yeah. people, like, it's bullshit. Ugh. It is bullshit. Around this time, Nas put out his second album. It's called It Was Written. So we're into around 1996 now. They had moved together to a new place in Queens again. But, of course, things went back to the way they always were. Nas is doing Nas. Her and Destiny are at home. He went on tour. Carmen says, Most days I reclined indoors, wallowing in endless self-pity. I'd come to believe that I could never leave Nas, yet I hated myself for my dependence on someone so unworthy of it. So Carmen was really feeling desperate, and she actually did end up attempting suicide. She immediately regretted it. She called for help. She had her stomach pumped. Her dad visited her and said, you're no different from anyone. We all feel helpless sometimes. And that really helped her a lot, actually. And she kind of gained some hope for the future. And got this like kind of newfound passion for life and motherhood. She didn't want this for her. Nas ended up giving her some jewelry and then kind of went back on the road. And she decided, you know what? I'm not going to sit at home and wait for you any longer. Yeah. She said, no more apologies for meeting my own needs. Simply enjoying myself was a form of therapy to cure some of my woes. So good for Carmen. And this is what, like, I loved this attitude in her book. Like, yeah, don't sit at home. He's out there. Go get yours, right? Right. One of her girlfriends knows this guy who she calls Bubba Chuck. And Bubba Chuck really wanted to meet Carmen after seeing some photos of her. Carmen's like, uh, blind dates. Mm." But her friend was like, no, you got to meet this guy. So it turns out Bubba Chuck is the nickname of Alan Iverson who's a professional basketball player. I looked him up. He is hot. And he's played 14 seasons as a point and shooting guard and was an 11-time NBA All-Star. I think he was with the 76ers and the Grizzlies. He's got, like, great stats. He's a big name. I also found an article that called him the Raptors' biggest enemy. (laughs) So I was like, ooh, he must be good. Then he's our enemy, too. So she ends up having an affair with Alan for a bit. 
Then he goes to basketball camp. Nas comes back from the road. But that affair kind of changed everything for her. It gave her life again. It reminded her, like, she's beautiful. She's young. She can be happy. She should do what she wants. So it was very refreshing. I loved a line in it where she said, I loved Nas, but I loved myself more. Yes. See, my biggest issue, if you will, is like, you both should have just broken up. Oh, you want to have fun. Right. Like this is getting toxic. But if you're both doing it, like I am glad you weren't sitting at home while he was, you know. Yeah. Do you think, mister, I'm going to get you pregnant so I can have you forever would go down without a fight? (laughs) Carmen even registers for fall classes at the Fashion Institute, began hanging out with all of her friends again, and she was having fun. One night they're out at the club and there's this guy there who just won't leave Carmen alone. His name is Sean Carter, otherwise known as Jay-Z. Oh, yeah. Jay was really putting the moves on her. He gave her his number. She kind of brushed him off, though. But then, of course, the next morning, she gets this really angry call from Nas being like, where were you last night? Who were you with? What guy were you talking to? No guy wants some girl with kids. Oh. Yeah. So she writes, and again, this is why I love Carmen so much. His double standard was unchanging. Men were hounds, according to birthright, but women should remain angels regardless. I don't think so, because then Carmen remembers that she has someone's phone number Mm -hmm. in her purse. So Carmen does a double date that night with Jay and her friend. Night goes well. They all end up at her friend's boyfriend's place. The way she writes this moment creeps me out. She says... Before long, I drifted off to sleep. I woke up to Sean kissing me. No. Then they make out. She is happy and consenting at that point. When she pulls the plug, he leaves. Okay. Over the next few weeks, Carmen and Jay have a budding friendship, and she really begins to like him. He and Nas have some interesting similarities. They both had the same Lexus. Nas was in gold, his in silver. They're both rappers, though Jay-Z is still kind of struggling at that point. They are both insecure men. She's mentioned more than once, which I liked. She says he would often brag about his women and then mention that he had a girlfriend and mention that, you know, he broke up with her. She says that the subtext of these conversations was always the same. Jay, I'm trying to get a reaction out of you. Carmen, We're just friends, so I don't care. She says his point of view about women was very one-sided, which sounded very similar to Nas as well. Mm -hmm. But she really loved hanging out with Sean. And over time, that kind of really solidified in her that she, while she loved Nas, she was no longer in love with Nas. I'm going to read a quote from her book. What made Jay so unique from the other men I had dated was that he became my best friend. He really listened to me, and when I spoke, he would look intently into my eyes. It was almost like he was recording my every word to memory. I had never been with a man who was so attuned to my thoughts and feelings. It worked both ways. I really cared about Sean and respected and valued his opinion. I felt like it was my first adult relationship. When I met Nas, we were damn near still teenagers, and that set the tone for our lives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from Nas to Jay. They end up having this friendship for over a year before they ever 
sleep together. I think they were like kissing and cuddling and doing things like that, but she never like fully went there with uh, Jay for a long time. It really was a friendship to her first. Okay. One night when Nas is on tour, they almost sleep together for the first time, but it's interrupted by another woman bursting in. So Jay's got other shit going on too. It ruined the mood. It didn't ruin their friendship though. She's also still seeing Alan, aka Bubba Chuck, here oh, yeah. and there whenever schedules. Yeah. So yeah, they're not they're they're not hanging out all the time, just random meetups. He's a busy man. She makes a point of really trying to be secretive with these guys. And I thought she was a bit paranoid at first, but like she definitely wasn't. Do you know who Wendy Williams is? Yeah. She makes an appearance twice in this book. I guess she's still like a gossipy woman. That's like what she does, right? Is talk uh-huh. about other people's business. <laughs> yeah. I think as far as I don't know a ton about her, but I feel like she's a love her or hate her kind of person. Yeah. You love Wendy Williams or you hate Wendy Williams. Well, Wendy had more people on the streets than Nas did even getting into people's business because Wendy was a DJ at the time and she blasted out this sort of like, I guess, blind item type thing saying, a certain Queenbridge rapper's girl is hanging out with a certain Bubba Chuck. <laughs> and apparently Foxy Brown heard it on the radio and called Nas. And Nas, of course, is furious. But he's on the road cheating, too. But Carmen says, and I love this, I was forced to resort to the two-part method employed by cheating men everywhere. Deny, deny, deny. <laughs> <laughs> So they're both cheating on each other and like they literally are both just denying it always. And they both have, I guess, this unspoken thing where they give it up after a while. Yep. Nas calls her all the names you can imagine. She calls him out for his double standard. She's got the attitude of, you know, you do you, I'll do me. Nas tries to control her while, you know, not giving back to the relationship. And the more that she he does that, the more... She wants out and she wants to have fun and everything. There's one incident where Nas is home and she finds his pager with a girl's number on it and calls it and everything. And things get violent again. But this time she was expecting it. And before he could swing at her, she maces him. Yeah. They end up together again by the end of the night, though. So that's the kind of relationship we're talking about. This was a really fun book to read, but also like very infuriating because like you just want her to get free of him already. For sure. Yeah. It's a very toxic relationship. Soon Nas is back in L.A. working on music. Carmen's alone. She began school at the Fashion Institute. She was really enjoying that. She was still talking to Jay here and there and again describes him as like one of her best friends. Of course, that's a huge secret that they're even talking at all. She says they would fool around, still hadn't slept together, but anytime Nas would come home, they kind of disconnect for a while. So there's multiple moments in the book of Jay-Z trying to manipulate her into sex, like the usual way men do, like pulling up the skirt when you pull it down and then, then pulling it up and like trying to talk you into it. He was never forceful, though, and always respected her no. So that's good. Okay. Nas's career was really on a high note. He began making more money. It was pouring in now. He bought more cars. He was always coming home with jewelry for him and Carmen. He got his mom a condo. 
they got a new house together. But in regards to their relationship, much of the same. Highs and lows. No emotional support. Him doing his own thing. On her 26th birthday, he had a concert. So he went off. She goes out. Jay-Z shows up. She told him where she was going. And this is very risky for them. But at this point, I think they're both getting kind of like turned on by the risk of it all. (laughs) Yeah. They've been doing this back and forth for over a year or so. God, she's still so young, too. I know, right? Yeah. They are taking more risks in their friendship and flirtation. And people are finally kind of starting to notice. She's really scared about what would happen. It's not necessarily because Nas knows that she's cheating here and there. It's not that she's cheating. It's who she's cheating with. Because already at this point, like, they know each other. They're not friends. There's issues there. It would it was like a big deal that Jay-Z was Jay-Z, basically. She has this realization at that point, like, what am I doing? I'm as bad as he is. I should probably get myself out of this situation. And her mother, Shasha, had actually moved to L.A. earlier that year. And Carmen had visited her and really fell in love with the place. And that was Shasha's dream, by the way. And she achieved it. So now Carmen was like, maybe this is what me and Destiny need to like a change of scenery. Why not? Why not? She told Jay it was obvious he really didn't take it seriously. He was like kind of blase, like, well, if that's what you think you should do, like you should go do that. And Nas, of course, was angry, asked her to stay, offered her like, let's go on a vacation. Let's make this work. He also said, you don't want to be with me. Do you know how many women would love to be in your shoes? So Carmen took off her shoes and handed them to him. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know how many women would want to be in that position for five minutes? Yeah. And then realize, oh, wait, this isn't. uh, Yeah. This isn't so fun. Yeah. But Carmen pulled it together and she moved out there. She found a place. She found a school for destiny. She got set up. She started acting classes. She got an agent. Nas was still in their lives. Obviously, they have a daughter and everything. He would call all the time. Suddenly, he was more there than he had ever been, basically. Hmm. He even bought her a Mercedes so that she could drive out there. A cousin of hers came out as well, and they ended up kind of working together. She wanted to write a script. She was doing good and loving life, but, you know, old habits... So Nas kept having more business in L.A., and after a while, their pattern picked up again. She and Destiny would go back to New York, and Nas would come out there, and they would each stay with each other and end up sleeping together. And But they aren't like a couple-couple anymore, but they're, they're in that pattern hold still. Right. When she visited New York that summer, she ended up getting back together, or back together, hooking up again with Jay. And that summer, she ended up getting pregnant by Jay-Z, but she suffered a miscarriage. Okay. Nas moves out to L.A. He ends up getting a five-minute place from her. There's another violent incident. He hit her. He promised to never do it again. She says that did end up being the last time he ever hit her. Nas? Yeah. Do you think she would have kept the baby with Jay? Yeah, I think so. Um, She says that, like, she felt relieved in a way, but also, I mean, there's a lot of emotions there, obviously. So her and Nas, their toxic cycle keeps spinning on, and somehow, 
on her birthday that year. I think it's 1999. He proposes to her. She says yes. No. It's it's one of those books where like literally every page you turn, it's we're being I'm being proposed to. Like I hate I hate this life. We're fighting. We're making love. Like it it was it's topsy turvy. Topsy turvy. They almost elope, but Destiny got sick, so it got put off, thankfully. Jay-Z hears about the engagement. He wants to talk to her. They have a phone conversation. It was sort of meant as an official kind of goodbye. He's like, if you're happy, I'm happy. I don't think that was necessarily all that true. She says in the book that like her and Jay had such a connection that she believes that Jay thought if she were to ever truly leave Nas, it would be for him. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the case. This love triangle finally blows up because Jay puts out a song with Memphis Bleak called Is That Your Chick? Hmm. The rumor mill blows up. Nas hears it. Jay-Z's part in it is not very nice. And Nas is like, is this about you? I've been hearing all about this. Like, people say it's about you. I love that. Finally, Carmen decides to come clean about her now five-year-long on-off relationship with Jay to Nas. Okay. Whew. Nas was not happy. (laughs) Oh, what a shock. (laughs) The song itself is pretty brutal. She says, when I heard the song, my response was disbelief and anger. His disparaging lyrics gave no indication of the solid friendship Jay and I had shared. And yeah, she tells Nas he's obviously upset, but does that change anything? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And does she stop sleeping with Jay? No. <laughs> no. But this time around, at least Nas is aware that it's like a thing and they're still communicating and everything like her and Jay. There were rumors still, but it wasn't like publicly known at the time. But... It was about to be, because guess why? Wendy Williams sticks her nose in again. Wendy's back. (laughs) So Wendy claims on air to have a video, like a sex tape of Carmen and Jay-Z together. And instead of Nas going to Carmen first, instead of them dealing with this personally, Nas ends up calling Wendy Williams on air and discussing it all on air. Okay, all press is good press, I guess, right? There was no tape. She says, like, she had to calm Nas down. Nas wanted Jay-Z's address, and she refused to give it to him. There's, around this time in the book, and this is another interesting, frustrating way of controlling people, Nas more than one time will cut off financial support to her and child support. Yeah. Just randomly and then go, you know, be nice again and then give it. Oh, yeah. There's definitely money manipulation in relationships and it is gross. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, she's dealing with that, too. But she's still sleeping with him. She's still in this, like, hold with him. And... Of course, now that Jay-Z has put out this song and everyone knows about it, Nas needs to release a song about it too, right? Of course. And Jay actually releases two more songs. One's called 
takeover and one's called Supa Ugly, which again is like a total attack on Carmen and just cruel and not nice at all. And Nas wrote a song called Ether and that came out. But when Jay-Z put out Supa Ugly, this is what Carmen had to say. I was so disgusted with SC, Sean Carter. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping that he was the person he proclaimed to be. I guess he wasn't built for the business after all. His response was clearly an emotional one. It was an unwarranted attack. I expected so much more for him. Right. At first I was livid. Then once it finally settled in, I was hurt. For so long I had looked at SC as a friend. I couldn't believe that he would sacrifice years of friendship for a battle that he ended up losing anyway. Yep. So yeah, they all put out these songs. It becomes this big public. It's like one of the biggest rap feuds ever, apparently. Wow. Yeah, it was a big deal in the rap world. I hate to say it, but it's like it was probably like the best thing to happen to these guys' careers then at the expense of a yep. an actual person. Yes, it's interesting you'll say that. We'll get back to that in a moment. Okay. So her and Nas haven't like officially been a couple for years, but the cycle is the same. They stay together when they're in the same cities. They still sleep together. He's paying for her and Destiny. And again, there's one more terrible incident in the book. She doesn't use the word rape. It was rape. Okay. And he does say something about like, well, I pay the bills here. I can do whatever I want. Finally, Nas ends up meeting this other woman, Khalees. Do you remember Khalees? Khalees. Is is she a musician? Like she's a singer? Yeah. Yeah. My My milkshake milkshake brings brings all the boys. (laughs) Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. So Nas ends up meeting Khalees in 2002, and they end up in a relationship. He's still constantly trying to get Carmen back, though, and for a while, she's still sleeping with him as well. There's a couple awkward moments of all of them in the book. It's ugly, and both women are obviously not in good situations, and it's I just don't want to get into the ugliness of them, you know? Okay, yeah. The final straw for Carmen is when Nas asks her to have a threesome with him and Khalees. Ooh. She asked him why he wanted to do that, and he said, because I want both my bitches at the same time. <laughs> okay. She's like, I'm not your bitch. And he's like, yes, you are, and you always will be. And those were the magic words. She never fucked him again. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, that's like where her book ends. She ends with them going to court over custody and child support because Nas, like I said, he'd be generous at times and then cut her off completely and cut their daughter off and everything. So, eh, you know. <laughs> eh. <laughs> and yeah, her book was published in 2006. I did a little extra research. Nas ended up marrying Khalees in 2005. Oh. They had a son together named Knight. But when Khalees was seven months pregnant, she filed for divorce. And that went through in 2010. In 2018, she did an interview and she described her relationship with Nas as physically and mentally abusive. Yep. Yeah, that checks out. And she actually says that the domestic violence incident between Rihanna and Chris Brown influenced her to leave. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she was like, he doesn't show make an effort as a parent, blah, blah, blah. Her story very much aligns with Carmen's. 
Another fun fact about Nas that I thought I'd just throw in here real quick is that him and Amy Winehouse had a friendship and a connection. She had a thing for him. Her song, Me and Mr. Jones, is about Nas. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And after Amy died, they were working on a collaboration, and Nas and his producer actually went to her parents and got an unreleased acapella thing. Well, I that's kind of nice. Yeah, and actually the weirdest part is the acapella part that they got. He didn't know it at the time, but Amy had actually written it about him. Oh. Yeah, they have like a cosmic connection. I guess so. And like you said, it didn't take long before Nas and Jay-Z to make up with one another. In 2005, they went on stage together to kind of end the beef. And shortly after that, Nas signed with Def Jam. Yeah, I mean... That's a thing that we've seen before that you can like pretend to have this fight, but as long as it's benefiting mutually, then certain things can be put aside because to them, money and fame and all that is much more important than actual relationships and exactly. I did see a recent article where Nas actually said he was honored to have battled Jay Z. Yeah, there you go. And I think both of them have claimed that their feud helped them become better MCs and everything and built up their career and everything. So, yeah. Carmen and Nas's daughter, Destiny, is now 26 years old. Oh, wow. And she is the CEO of her own cosmetics line called Matic Cosmetics. Good for her. The name Matic Cosmetics is a homage to her dad's first album, Illmatic. Oh, okay. She's on Instagram. So is Carmen. Carmen's bio on Instagram says she's a vegan. It looks like she's now living in LA. She also has written in her bio law and poli sci and Dean's List 2020. So also somebody's going back to college or appreciating college after all. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I heard that she also put out an EP of her own music a few years back. I don't know maybe if that's something she'll do more of in the future. In 2017, she did an interview on a YouTube channel called Vlad TV. She basically kind of goes over the whole book and the it's mostly based on like the Nas Jay-Z thing. In the interview, she was asked about her status with her family, like Destiny and Nas. And she said, everything is the same. Uh, so, <laughs> okay, take that as you will. I don't know. Hopefully not exactly the same. But obviously, they have a daughter together. They're going to be connected. Hopefully, it's just a little less toxic now. Well, I wonder what that means if, like, his daughter named her company after him. You know, like, they must have a decent relationship, I guess, or... Well, that's interesting, actually. I noticed that she does have quite a few photos of her and her dad on her social media. And in the interview, that is one thing that Carmen said was how much Destiny really admires her dad and feels the need to live up to his goals or, you know, he's rich and famous. He he built himself up, so she really feels like she needs to do that as well. Okay. It sounds like she puts a lot of pressure on herself, but it, she's got her line going now and hopefully everything goes well for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I hope so. And yeah, so that's... The story of Carmen Bryan and one of hip-hop's biggest 
rap scandals. And muses, apparently. Yeah. Wonderful. That was fun. It was fun reading it. (laughs) Yeah. When I look online, as usual, there's a lot of, like, negativity about her book. People, like, judging her on what she's doing without kind of the full perspective. I notice a lot of the really judgmental ones are things that were written kind of when the book came out. And I really wonder now, with a different perspective on things and considering she's older now, too, too, and everything. Yeah, exactly. I feel like if it were released now be taken a completely different way yeah that was great good and i'm glad she wrote a book as always like i'm glad that these women share their story and it sounds like she found some empowerment through it some humor some truth her you know honesty and i mean it's a cool flex too on her part like if they can advance their careers through writing songs about her then she can sure as hell write a book and whether it advanced anything in her life besides her own healing that's totally valid so precisely yeah I this was very enjoyable thanks to Carmen and yeah I'm so happy that she put herself out there and did that good for her good for her sounds badass yeah she does all right thanks so much Lynx you're welcome. That's another episode of Muses. You can catch us on Tuesdays. Shanti and I are doing something really fun. We are just watching all our old favorite nostalgia from the 90s and the 2000s. And then we talk about them. And uh, we'd love it if you guys joined us. We always have fun whenever people send in messages. Yeah, and- so that's live on stereo. We can talk about it. So um, we always... We should post a little bit in advance, so if people want to watch the movie, or you can Mm -hmm. just hop on and talk to us about what you remember about it. And yeah, we we have a drink, we have a chat, Tuesday nights, it's great. It's like this, but live. (laughs) Exactly. It's like this, but no editing. Come and join us, and uh, till next time. See you next time. Muses is researched, edited, and produced by us, Chantella Mew and Lynx O'Leary. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world in which viruses are gods and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown.